to the Bearded Table, Episode 4. We are here in sunny South Florida, having a good time, and going to have a good day today. You know, I have some good stuff to talk about first. Uh, let's talk about the Florida, oh, excuse me, getting a little old there, the Miami Marlins. You know, uh, I think Derek Jeter really has done something special with this team. A lot of people really didn't give him a lot of credit and wrote him off right when he came in, just trading away guys like Stanton and Yelich, who were corner pieces for a team that could have gone somewhere. You know, I think the untimely death of Jose Fernandez and a lot of other factors uh, played in the downfall of the Miami Marlins for the past couple of years. Uh, so Derek Jeter bringing in Don Mattingly and having this farm system that's really erupted the past four or five years has really made this Marlins team special. You know, if you follow them, you know, if you don't, you're looking this year as like, the Miami Marlins, what are they What are they doing in the playoffs? You know, how did they beat the Phillies? How did they get above the Mets teams that were considered top contenders in the NL East? This is a Marlins team that has a lot of underdog mentality around them. You know, they refer to themselves as the bottom feeders. And to have that kind of mentality and carry yourself like that, I think it's it gives you a chip on your shoulder that you want to play with and prove people wrong, and, you know, prove the haters Prove the haters wrong. They had a three-game series with the Chicago Cubs, who were World Series champions only four years ago. Still have their core group of guys. They have a great pitching with New Darvish and Kyle Hendricks and John Lester. And the Marlins, you know, they gave them a run for their money. Game one, Kyle Hendricks really shut the Marlins down for a good amount of time until the seventh inning. You know, the Marlins were down one nothing, and they ended up winning game one 5-1. I think you have a lot of pieces that didn't work well on other teams. You know, Jesus Aguilar, um, Miguel Rojas, a lot of these other guys who, if they were on another team, wouldn't have the opportunity that they've been given on the Marlins. And like I said before, having that chip on your shoulder, knowing that on another team you would be a AAA guy or a utility guy who comes in the pinch hit every now and then, and you're actually starting for this team and making a name for yourself is just propelling this team and really giving them that grit to get the game, get the, giving them the grit to really get those wins and advance in the playoffs. You know, game two, you face Yu Darvish, who is a candidate for the NL Cy Young, had the best ERA in the NL, and you're stepping into the plate facing that kind of pitching, you know, it's, it's going to give you a little bit of difficulty. You know, he has a great slider, he has a hell of a sinker and a changeup. And he shut the Marlins down again. You know, I think the Marlins offense takes a little bit of time to get going. Uh, game two, they ended up winning 2-0 off, you know, a good a good hold, a solo home run, bring in more runs. You know, I think this is something that when they face the Braves, they need to get going. If their offense can't get going until the 6th, 7th inning, they're not going to stand a chance against an explosive offense like the Braves. You have Marlins pitching who... In the past couple years, hasn't been where it needs to be. And this year, I think our starting pitching is on the up and coming. You know, Sandy Alicantra was the first choice for game one against the Cubs. He threw six and two-thirds in game one. A very impressive performance. Then you have Sixto Sanchez, a rookie pitcher coming in against a team that won a World Series a couple years ago. Has an established team. Threw five innings and threw six Ks in his first ever playoff game. And shut these teams, shut the Cubs down. That's a very impressive pitching performance. I think the Marlins, they have a lot to still build from. I think they might 
get a couple games from the Braves, but I really do believe the Braves will probably end up getting the best of them in this best of five series. I see the Braves probably winning the series three to one. I don't see it going two two unless the Marlins offense can really get going. If they can, you know, scrape a couple runs in the first inning off a sack fly, or if you have a guy on third base and you just ground down the infield and you bring him in, you get that one or two runs. I mean, every run counts in this in this playoff situation. You know, every ninety feet counts. A walk, uh, hit by pitch, whatever you can do to scrape runs and get people on base. That's how you're going to win this game. Um, <clears throat> I think Don Mattingly said it best. You know, we have guys on this team that want to win and will find a way to win. And I think they're really going to need to find a way to win against a really good Atlanta Braves team. All right. Well, before we get into our second segment of the day, I would like to take this time to introduce the man himself, the bald wonder. The one I get my hair from, my father, David Hafta. What's up, what's up, what's up? How's everybody doing? Ladies and gentlemen, sports fans and non-sports fans, this is going to be a podcast for everybody involved. I just want to take a little shout out to Ozzy Osbourne. I don't want to stop. That was my uh, walk-up song my sophomore year of high school baseball. And also your first heavy metal concert, sir. That was my first concert. No, no, no. First heavy metal I, I concert. I consider that my first concert because <laughs> my first actual concert was an American Idol showcase. Wow, and he knits that openly, folks. <laughs> knits that openly. Sanjaya was his favorite. Let's go. <laughs> Bo Bice for the win. Bo Bice for the win. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, you know, let's... Let's get into something that's pretty interesting. You actually brought this up to me the other day that yeah. uh, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are kind of like the Brady and Belichick 2.0. Yeah, yeah. I think they have. It's not there yet. Listen, Belichick and Brady dynasty. Uh, I mean, there's 100%. just a, that's a chemistry that you won't get in the past. Not from uh, Landry and Staubach. Not from anybody. You know, as far as the coaches out there. But I think Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes definitely have that chemistry coming up. Uh, watching that team play week after week. Um, I actually was talking about it today, this morning, with somebody else, and they said they're, they're out there, they're having fun. You know, Mahomes are, is making plays, they have their set plays, but hey, shit goes wrong. You know, things go south, but he is a playmaker, and he's, he's an upcoming Brady, and I think Andy Reid is, an, is a, well, he's a little older than Bilicek, but I think he is uh, definitely going to be a dynasty coach as well with Mahomes. Yeah, I, I really believe Andy Reid has created something special in Kansas City. You know, you look at his time in the Eagles, and there were some good years. There were some bad years. I think the Eagles didn't really have the stability or the faith to really invest and build each year. You know, of course not. They had guys like Michael Vick out the door, Donovan McNabb, Brian Westbrook. It was just a revolving door of names right. that you heard. Right, exactly. And when he came into Kansas City, it was, all right, there's a good team here. You had a guy like Alex Smith leading the team at the time. Mm-hmm. and But an average quarterback and, at yeah, best. And, an average quarterback at that time. So. I think he had a couple games where, you know, he shouldn't have won them, but he did. And I think yeah. it maybe put Kansas City yep. on the map a little more and gave them a little more recognition. And, I mean, Andy Reid's been here for seven years. Mm-hmm. He's had never had a below 500 season. He's had four straight years of 10-plus 10, 10 wins. And right. That's impressive. Yeah, and 100%. to have the team they've had drafting you, know, you have guys like Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, I mean, Patrick Mahomes. That's probably the best pick that that organization has ever made in their I, life. I don't think they saw what happened. I don't think they saw that coming. 
You know, yeah, what I, mean? I, 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 I don't think anybody did. No, really. no. I, mean, I think Chicago not. didn't see it coming either when they chose Stravinsky. And you know, also <laughs> it's the, the the rookie year of, of a quarterback. They come out blazing on on all cylinders, uh, sort of like a, a, a Griff. Uh, what's his name? Robert Griffin. When he came out in the, you know his first season, everybody uh, the didn't want to contain him. Exactly. Uh, but his second year. Tanked. Yep. So that's what a lot of people were expecting of Mahomes, but he came out firing, bam, again, and then again, and again. Granted, they didn't win the Super Bowl in his second year, but they came out doing it on his third. So God bless him. Yeah, I really, uh, I think Patrick Mahomes, I think that just pays dividends to his character. I think 100%. He, he has that leadership mentality, you know, being overlooked. And, you know, you see, if I'm Patrick Mahomes and I look at Mitch Trubisky, you know, he was drafted first overall, Bears took him, they, he could have been on Chicago. And could I have think, been, yep. To see where the Bears have played out, to where Kansas City's played out, I think Patrick Mahomes is pretty damn happy. Oh, I I, I, <laughs> I agree. I mean, you know, one of the highest paying quarterbacks right now, and he's again firing on all cylinders. Trubisky, yeah, he's doing great in Chicago. He's doing great for that team as well. Um, there's a lot of great players, but I I have a feeling that this Andy Reid Mahomes chemistry going back and forth, it's going to work for them. I think they're going to be going. They're going to become a dynasty team as well. They're going to be up there with the. Uh, with the Patriots, with the Steelers, with the Cowboys, they're going to be there. They're going to get there. And yeah, like you said, Andy Reid came in. There was already a team there. It was the foundation was there. Uh, I don't remember. I could be wrong because I'm an old. I'm an old guy. But um, Tony Age v- is just the number. Is it really? Is it? It is. It's also a memory thing. Uh, but Tony <laughs> Gonzalez, I believe Tony Gonzalez was also there. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the running back was as well. Guy who always got hurt. Oh uh, my God. Um... Was not cream. It was before Cream Hunt. Uh, I, I can't even think of his name right now. Oh my god, right. it's driving me crazy. Uh, we'll come back to it. Yeah, no, 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 no worries on that. But yeah, Andy Reid came in with a solid foundation, and he just took it to the whole another level. He he built up that. Well, the defense was there. He just boom, another level. I found our man Jamal Charles. Jamal Charles, thank you. <laughs> thank <laughs> took you. me a little bit to dive into my twenty-two-year-old yeah, so, vault, but uh, it was in there. So I'm fifty, and I I'm already experiencing uh, some some timers. Not all timers, <laughs> but some timers. Some timers. Some timers. Like so, all right, you know, let's uh, let's get into something else. This let's is go. A very pressing issue right now, especially in the NFL, is yeah. this recent breakout with COVID. Woo. I think the the Tennessee Titans are really taking the brunt of this. You know, you've had Cam Newton test positive as well. Uh, I want to believe it was the fullback for New Orleans had a false positive. Right. What do you think is going to happen with the Tennessee Titans and the Patriots? So, they already announced today the NFL Players Association is investigating everything that's happened with them, like uh, breaking protocol or not following certain guidelines. Well, do you think? How do you think the punishment is going to come down to the Titans? I don't think there's going to be punishment because um, again, it's it's the NFL's own fault. First of all, they didn't follow the NBA, they didn't follow the MLB to put these guys in a bubble. That's what should have been done from get from the get go. That's what I think, personally. So, yeah, now you're going to have guys who, yeah, great practice, guys, great game. They go home to their wives. Who knows if their wives are, um, if they're going out, uh, hanging out with people, whatever, they bring home, bring home COVID. Give it to the player. The player gives it to the other players, so on and so forth. Uh, it was actually, the, they just announced that there was, a, there was more Tennessee Titans players that were uh, tested positive. Yeah, as so, of two days ago, actually, I have it right here. Okay. There was 13 positive tests yeah, for the yeah. Tennessee Titans. So I, I don't think uh, I think look listen as soon as you're you're tested positive you're you've got the results back you're automatically 14 day quarantine yeah so you're talking about two weeks out of the NFL how are they going to do that with the Titans I don't know they're going to have to test the whole team over and over again 
Um, the guys who are positive stay out and put the other guys on if that's what they're going to do. But I think they're going to go ahead and sanction the whole team. Just that's it. Or they, you know what? They might even cancel the whole season. I'm willing to see that. I'm not willing to see or want to see that happen, but I have a feeling that's what's going to come down. Because I think as we go and continue into the season, there's going to be more and more and more. Yeah, I think it's definitely, it's going to come down to how the organizations themselves handle this. You know, you look at the MLB, they had, I want to believe it was 12 Marlins players and staff at the beginning of the MLB season right. test positive. Yep. You know, it's the same situation now. It's the beginning of the NFL season. So they have the time to come up with a contingency plan so that they can continue their season. Yeah. But every day when more and more players are testing positive and staff, I mean, who's to say that these staff people aren't talking to a reporter who's asking them a question or you never know who these other people who are interacting with. And I think not having, like you said, not having the bubble and having the security of knowing where everybody is and knowing that they're around you mm -hmm. is really causing a problem. And you, you never know. They might actually, you know, Goodell might just say, listen, if you guys want to continue to play, in the bubble you go. You're going to have to leave your families until after Super Bowl Sunday, and that's going to be it if you can want to continue to play. So again, if they, they had contracts to play, they wanted to play, right? These NFL players. So adhere to the protocol, stay home. Stay the F home, man. It's, like, it's not hard. All you have to do is go from point A of the field to point B of your home. Listen, the girls and the strippers, they'll be there afterwards, man. Just hang tight. Hang tight. They'll be there. Don't worry. Okay? <laughs> Let's go. Just, you know, hop into your nice little Beamer, Mercedes-Benz. G-Wagons. Crank the AC a little bit, you know, put on some serious XM radio and hey, just kick back. And if any of you NFL players do need cars, just let me know. That's the business I'm in. Epic Auto Leasing and Sales. Shameless plug. That's for me. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. I just want to actually talk one more thing about this whole COVID and if NFL scandal, I guess you could Let's see go. kind of going on right now. Go for it. I think my opinion, what they should do, I think Roger Goodell, if he really wants to get a grasp on this and really contain it, is give the NFL quarantine. I, I As much as it might make things difficult for playoff scenarios or the timing of the season, I think if you give the NFL two weeks to quarantine themselves and let everybody who's tested positive or been around and exposed just get out and quarantine themselves and then two weeks later bring everybody back i think come, come and have them come back into yeah. the bubble yeah because i think like it may may take a little more than two weeks but i think that two week that 14 day gap will right. give them at least time to come up with some kind of foundation for what they want to do uh, it's going to extend the season by two weeks but again then again i wouldn't be mad at that you know the longer the season for me the better more football more football for me <laughs> I'm, I'm good really good with that and maybe that'll give a chance for my team the dallas cowboys to get their shit together they, they may need to find some defensive weapons in the next 14 Yeah, yeah. Defense, Cowboys. Defense. And hey, run Zeke for crying out loud. Run him. You got him. Run him. They're going to they're gonna run him out of Dallas. I can tell you that right <laughs> now. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready to run him out of Dallas. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really think this the situation right now at the NFL is really hindering their advancement with the season. I think right. if I'm Roger Goodell, once the playoffs start is when I would really implement the bubble. I can't remember off the top of my head what the Super Bowl is going to be this year. Tampa. Tampa? Okay. Yep. If it's in Tampa, you know. Tom's backyard. Tom. Oh, yeah. Tom's backyard. <laughs> <laughs> That's if they get there. Yeah. Well, they're, we'll they're, they're, they got some weapons. They but if I'm, if I'm Roger Goodell, I would start constructing some type of bubble in Tampa, you know, where you have X amount of teams in the playoffs and they're all going to be confined in their hotels. You know, 
it's going to be hard with all these practice fields and trying to get everybody the reps in and all that. But if they can take these two weeks now and then continue right. to plan it while the season's going on, so that when the playoffs come, it's all formulated and set up. They can get the guys in the bubble, get the playoffs done, have their Super Bowl, and go about the rest of their offseason. But again, if the NHL, the NBA, the MLB can play in stadiums and arenas without fans, the NFL could do the same. Yeah. But we know how money talks. So, right. I mean, on Monday Night Football of Week 1, there was 15,000 fans in <laughs> Arrowhead Stadium. And no. that, that blew my mind. I mean, we live in Florida. You can't even go anywhere I, without I, wearing a mask. You can't go to a bar without having less than three people yeah, with you. I was watching the game and getting so skeeved out, I put the mask on at home watching <laughs> the game. So, yeah. And a little bit of hand sanitizer. Grab the remote. And my, and my Sailor Jerry. Yeah, that's right. That's how I roll. Good old sailor. Good old sailor. All right. I think... By the way, the Sailor Jerry's a drink. It's not an actual guy. I didn't really grab a guy named Sailor Jerry. Okay, so just moving on. He owed you some money. He owed me. I had to grab him. So. <laughs> All right. And I, my last segment we got here for today, and probably going to be one of our favorites to talk about, is yes. our top three athletes growing up. <laughs> I'll let you have the floor since you know you have a little more of plethora of people to choose from than I do. Wow, that, that's just hurtful. Let me just, <laughs> let me just you know, rock my... 50 years of experience. That's right, 50 years. That's right. And not only just 50 years, 50 years and growing up in Montreal, Canada. Uh, yeah, so we grew up with a lot of great greats playing the game. Uh, I think my first and I think my earliest memory is watching the Montreal Canadiens as a little kid and the famous stance and picture of the ultimate goalie for me Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden was, the, he was actually what the one of the first goalies to actually wear a mask in nets, a helmet. Not Jason Voorhees. No, no, not Jason Voorhees, not Friday 13th. But no, but it was actually just a mask. It wasn't a full helmet. So, and there's just a famous picture of him with, the, with his goalie stick where he's just standing there and his chin is on, you know, standing there with the goalie stick while the other guys are down the ice scoring goals. Probably against the Boston Bruins. No offense, Sam. But, uh, yeah. So you're telling me this guy had some uh, some big cojones to wear yeah. a mask. <laughs> the, the, yeah, well, and also a lot of the guys who are now in nets uh, between the pipes, they looked up to Ken Dryden. Ken Dryden was the Godfather. It was Ken Dryden? It was Jerry Cheevers? You know, from from the Boston Bruins. These were these were the the Godfathers of of the Nets at that point. But yeah, he's he's probably my, he's my number one pick at this point. Back to you there, sir. Bearded right. Wonder. The Bearded Wonder. My number one pick is actually someone I did an assignment about the other day at my schoolwork. Uh, is Troy Polamalu. Okay. Um, I'll diehard Steeler fan. Mad props I, for him. I bleed black and gold since <laughs> my days of crawling on the floor. <laughs> wow. I, um, I just remember watching football, being young, and just trying to learn the game and figure out like who, who needs to do what and just... Watching a guy with this long hair go from the back of the field and just sprint across the line, sack he, the QB. He I was mean, a beast. He, he was a beast. He could be anywhere on the field, and he needed to be somewhere else, and he could get there in the snap of a finger. The defense has not been the same without him. They yeah, just have I, not. I don't think the safety position has been the same without him. It's but that's a key position. Yeah, <laughs> you, need, you need that guy who could actually, like you said, make it from the backfield. Bring it to the front. Yeah, I really think, you know, Troy Polamalu, even off the field, was such a, a good guy that really helped the Steelers kind of formulate the culture that they had, you know, back in the mm-hmm. 70s. I think bringing, like, these guys who had a humble head and really mm-hmm. a good personality and just 
loved the game of football, really Great. excelled the Steelers and allowed them to really become that team they were in the 2000s. All right, so are we we moving on to number two. Number two. Number two. Pick number two, Malone. Well, you bleed. Uh, what was it? Black and gold. Black and gold. Yeah, I'm bleeding silver and navy, sir. That's <laughs> my my Dallas Cowboys. So your earliest memory when you're a kid, so as mine was the Super Bowl of um, the Dallas Cowboys versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, watching with my dad, and watching Roger Staubach just light up the field. Man, he would him and um, uh, uh, Ken, not Emmitt Smith before Tony Dorsett. Just light it up. And, um, well, Tony Dorsett was the running back, but then you also had Drew Pearson um, as far as catching the balls. It was just a, such an awesome team. And watching Roger Staubach play was, it was poetry in motion. I loved watching him play. And so that's my earliest memories. But the reason why my dad and I and my brother were watching, or my brother, my dad, and I, proper grammar, um, were watching, my, my brother and I were watching the football game. My dad was watching the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. So, yeah, that's my fault. It's a win-win. Yeah, win-win for everybody. So, my uh, my number two is a little shout out to the hometown boys of the Florida Panthers. You know, growing up in South Florida, you don't get much hockey. I didn't get the luxury of living in Montreal, having the Bell Center a couple miles down the block. And actually, no. What me growing up was the Montreal Forum. Shout out to the Forum. You know who you are, all my boys. <laughs> You know, you guys, I mean, the Montreal Canadiens are a literal dynasty of the NHL, so having that right down the street from you is probably incredible. It wasn't down the street, but it was, it was, yeah. In the vicinity. It was, it was close. <laughs> close enough. So, uh, my second pick is the former captain of the Panthers and the second place in franchise and points, the man himself, Ole Jokinen. I remember being young and getting into hockey and seeing just... The crazy hits, the crazy saves of Roberto Luongo, and just there was always that one guy on the ice who could find you in the slot or just anywhere and make a play happen, and that was Ole Jokin and future Hall of Famer. One hundred percent. You know, I, I remember going to the Panthers game. I want to say it was two years ago where they retired his jersey and had mm-hmm. a whole celebration for him, and it was the energy of that place was incredible. Yep. Just to commemorate a guy who did so much for the organization. I mean, obviously we never won a Stanley Cup, but just having if you're only open in the Panthers, you know there's a couple thousand fans in there, but those are the right. couple thousand people that actually care about being there. Yeah, They're not just there because they have nothing else to do on a Thursday night. They're there because they care about the Florida Panthers. Right. So yep. he was putting on a show for not that many people, but he was putting his all in every single game. He, he did. So Well-deserved. Good good number two. I agree. Yeah, he was one of my favorite hockey players for sure growing up. Nice. Well, let's go to number three. Um, my number three is actually a tie. Um, I, it's... Going back to the Expos, people who know me now, I'm not a huge MLB fan, but when I was a kid, I was, and I always loved watching the Hawk, Andre Dawson, and the the, the late, great Gary Carter on the Montreal Expos. Um, just, it was, again, just great watching them. I had, you know, the baseball cards, I had everything of, of these guys, and I actually had a chance to meet uh, Andre Dawson uh, one time when we were in Vegas, he was doing a signing. So I got to actually meet him, shake his hand, and just tell him that he was a huge influence on me as far as his ethics in the way he played played the game and he played the game really well so it was awesome yeah I mean I, I wish I could have been alive during the time just to see the Expos and just like the 90s and 80s baseball yeah, just era. shut out um, Montreal please bring back the Expos and then I'll start watching MLB again thanks <laughs> but um if I could if I could have been anybody and have the opportunity with Gary Carter had to 
win the World Series back-to-back years, hit a home run to send your team home with the trophy. I mean, he has, if not one of the most iconic plays in MLB history. Yeah, unfortunately it wasn't on the Expos. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was on the Blue Jays. Whatever. (laughs) Whatever. It's... I'm sure you know when a Toronto team does something, it's like, <sighs> yeah, it's hurtful. Right. It's hurt. It's hurtful for our. You, you give them like the, the poetry snaps, yeah, but that's about yeah, it. It's, 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 it's not even that. It's a golf, the golf clap. clap. Golf clap. Yeah, he got a par. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my my third guy is uh, it it, it kind of took me a little while to figure out who I wanted my third person to be. I didn't want to kind of focus so much on one sport, but. I just thought back to the jerseys that are hanging in my closet, and basically, he's back to the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my first actual Steeler jersey, not just printed, and the letters would come the ripping actual, off. Actual my first actual Steeler jersey was no other than the Beast himself, oh. James Harrison. Oh my God, the one-eyed wonder. Oh, James Harrison! <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start with this man. I I could talk about his workout videos. I mean, he's a a beast in that himself, throwing. Did he release those along with Jane Fonda and Denise Austin? He has those type of workout videos? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. little, little bet flexing and dancing nice. around. Little, nice. Nice. Little uh, You can't think of the name. Like aromat- aerobatics or something. I, I, I thought maybe he had like a Tybo. Yeah, I was going to say Tybo. Tybo. Yeah. Nice. I did that my freshman year of high school. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Educational system, folks. Right. At its finest. Tybo and Jim. That's right. I mean, James Harrison was just a force to be reckoned with. Just touch back with Paul Amal. You know, this defense was just on a whole other level in the yeah. early 2000s. And I think if you're an offensive lineman and you're a left guard or left tackle and you look to your left and you see a big, beefy dude like James Harrison waiting for that ball to get snapped, yeah. it, it's going to take you back a little bit. I really feel he was a nucleus of that defense on that line, especially. You know, you had, he, he was the line. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> he didn't need anybody. He was the line. What are you talking about? And, I mean, and talk about, you know, like Gary Carter having iconic plays. I mean, he has... One of the most iconic plays in yeah, Super Bowl history. Yeah. A defensive lineman, 100-yard interception off a guy like Kurt Warner. I mean, I remember standing in my grandmother's living room <laughs> the second he picked that off, and I started screaming. And I remember my Uncle Mike being like, sit down. Like, you need to sit down. And I was like, I can't. <laughs> I can't right now. Not going to happen. And, I mean, just to cap that off, I mean, San Antonio right. Holmes is a Super Bowl catch. That made the night even better, but... Well, we're yeah. we're on our quest for number seven. That, that, that was before he shot himself in the leg. <laughs> that was Plaxico Burris. Whatever. <laughs> Plaxico Santonio, pick one. <laughs> yeah, those are those are our top three athletes growing up. Like I said, you know, I think yours is a little more deeper than mine. You know, having well, it's listen. My youth was also a lot deeper <laughs> in the past than yours. So yeah, I was able to experience and you know see a lot more. I mean, also in my 20s, I could put as number four as Michael Jordan, you know, on the Bulls. So that was also. I mean, that, that's one thing I'm very jealous that you got to live, you know, just during that time yeah, and watch those games. just watch it while it was going and on. And I wasn't even a basketball fan. I just, Michael Jordan, just to watch him was just, to watch him was, was amazing. I, mean, I watched the Last Dance documentary. Oh, yeah. I mean, that Phenomenal. was, it was, was incredible. Just, but, I appreciate the game of basketball and I love the game of basketball, but I never really appreciated like the time before, you know, yeah. Dwayne Wade and all that was when I really got into the, the Miami Heat and the rest of the NBA. Right. So going back and looking how Carl Malone and Patrick Ewing and Charles Barkley, all these guys who I know is just analysts or covering they were well, they were battling Michael Jordan every well, night. Not to date myself, but I mean I used to watch games of, you know, Larry Bird and Oh yeah. Magic. So I mean, yeah. Yes, folks, I'm that old. Yeah, that's right. I don't act it, but I am that old. 
Like I said, age is just a number. Yeah, that's right. In my head, I'm still five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you want to say anything else? You know, give a shout out to your Epic Auto Lease or no? I already gave a shout out, but again, anybody who's in the sports biz, uh, if you are looking for a car lease uh, purchase or cash buy, call me. I'm I'm your guy. I'll definitely get you the best deals. And my phone number nine five four four six five seven four four eight. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me here, sir. Thank you. I really enjoyed having you. Know you and I have had. Thousands and thousands of talks definitely from just from when I was a kid to now about sports Marvel music Whatever it is and I think being able to just sit here and talk with you about a couple things and Starting this up what where I'm doing with this podcast. It's really you're someone I really wanted to just have on here and talk to you and I'm sure I'll have you on many more times. We'll oh, have well, many well, more things to talk about. And yeah, maybe next time we'll, we'll dig more into the, the geek uh, geekdom the geek of, side. Geek side of Marvel, DC, comics, movies, TV. So I mean, that, that's I know all that because of you. You're so. welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, all my like, if you guys have watched the, the last week's episode, all the music choices I made for the stadium songs. I mean, I only knew those songs because of my dad. I, I grew up listening to the '80s rock. I mean. I've seen Motley Crue twice. I've seen sure. Poison. Yeah. I've seen Def Leppard. I've yeah. seen Lita Ford. Yeah. I don't really think there's many 22-year-olds who have that kind of list. No. <laughs> and Ozzy, don't forget. And Ozzy. And Ozzy. I mean, that was the first big concert. Yeah. The first time I smelled the devil's lettuce. Ooh. <laughs> and he stopped, and he's hasn't stopped smelling it ever since. <laughs> so. But I, I really thank you for coming on today. And thank you for having me. Pleasure getting this here. off the ground with me, you know, sharing it and just... Anytime, anytime. Being a big me. supporter of the bearded table. The bearded table, yes. Thank you for having me dine at the bearded table. <laughs> and I'm John and Cobalt signing off. You guys have a great day.